I can't believe after all these years, we are seeing another one of these fake news Russiagate conspiracy stories. You know what the press has been doing for the longest time, mostly during the height of the Russiagate conspiracy theory, publishing a bombshell report and the next day retracting it over and over again. In fact, I have a story from The Intercept where they go through the top 10 times the media has published fake news about Russia and Trump and then had to retract it. And what do we get now? Lawrence O'Donnell apparently had a source, air quotes here, who didn't see any documents, but assured him Trump was getting his loan signed off by the Russians. And he actually reported it. And then he had to retract it. But you know what they say? The lie travels halfway around the world before the truth straps on his boots. People hear the lie and they never hear the retraction. Lawrence O'Donnell tweeted, a source close to Deutsche Bank says Trump's tax returns show he pays very little income tax, and more importantly, that his loans have Russian co-signers. If true, that explains every kind word Trump has ever said about Russia and Putin. The last word, 10 p.m. Uh, actually, no, it doesn't. Just because someone's friends with a Russian or worked with them doesn't mean they're working for the government. That's conspiracy-level insanity. How is it that MSNBC is going to put out this, this insane fake news about Russia after Mueller already disproved the conspiracy? You can tell why I'm so frustrated by this fake news over and over again, because at what point can we sit down and say, we're over Russia, it's done, it's fake? Well, surprise, surprise, Lawrence O'Donnell had to apologize. Last night, I made an error in judgment by reporting an item about the president's finances that didn't go through our rigorous verification and standards process. I shouldn't have reported it, and I was wrong to discuss it on the air. I will address the issue on my show tonight. But guess what? The retraction, 8,000 retweets. The lie, 38,000 retweets. What do you think this is doing to the American psyche? We see all these reports about Trump's approval rating being low. Is it possible it's low because the, the press keeps lying? Because they'll put out a negative story and, and then whisper the retraction? I think it's fairly possible. I also think it's possible the polls are lying too. Why would MSNBC put up a fake story like this. In fact, you know what's really crazy about this? Lawrence O'Donnell even admits if they actually did their standard editorial process, it never would have gotten out. Why did he then skip that process? Well, I'll tell you what. We see the tweets. Let's read the story. Interestingly enough, from NBC News, who also didn't verify and vet the claims and noting there's a conflict of interest here, but I want to hear what they have to say. So I also, I also want to go through some polls about the press and I want to show you another story where the Washington Post has actually tried to smear another conservative and then retract it again. It's, it's what they do. It, it, it's like they're sowing division on purpose. So let's read this story. However, before we get started, go to youtube.com slash TimCastIRL, a new channel which will feature on the ground reporting, travel vlogs, fun and silliness. But for the most part, I'm going to be in the van. I'm going to go meet you know, people across the country, go to the borders, do some actual field reporting. I am honored that as of right now, this new channel with one video has almost 34,000 subscribers, which means I think once we get started with the field reporting, it's going to do fantastic. And then I can actually bring you that straight truth from the ground and bypass the fake news about what's really happening, at least to the best of my abilities. However, I still will be doing the same content I do every single day. The van is allowing me to do all of it. So I'm aiming for daily content. We'll see. But let's get back to the news and let's read what NBC News has to say about MSNBC's terrible reporting. They, they report MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell says he should not have reported unverified claim on air about Trump loans. The last word host acknowledged 
that he shouldn't have discussed the information provided by a single unnamed source because it didn't meet our standards. How did Lawrence, Lawrence O'Donnell get to bypass the, the standard uh, practice? Like, what did he do? Does he have special privilege where he goes to his boss and says, by the way, this story, we're not going to vet. I'm just going to say it on TV. Or is it possible they do it on purpose to make money? Let me tell you something. When you write a fake news story, you get a million clicks. You make money. You've sold those ad spaces. And guess what? When you retract the next day, you don't have to give the money back. So maybe that's why MSNBC is allowed to bypass standards because they know it'll drive ratings. And they also know the retraction itself will drive ratings too. In my opinion, they do it on purpose. They report. Uh, There's the headline again. They say he shouldn't have reported it. The last word host opened his show Wednesday night by saying he repeated statements from a single source that weren't ready for reporting and probably never will be. Uh, that's, That's me adding that. And that he did not go through the network's rigorous verification and standards process before repeating it. And that, quote, had it gone through that process, I would not have been permitted to report it. Tonight, we are retracting the story. We don't know whether the information is accurate. But the fact is, we do know it wasn't ready for broadcast. And for that, I apologize. Let me add, how many people heard that, believe it's true, hear the retraction and go, no, but it's still probably true. I mean, they have some evidence, right? So they know a lot of people won't hear the retraction. And a lot of people will hear the retraction, but plug their ears and say, nope, nope, I don't want to believe it's fake. I want to believe it's real. They know it. They have to know it. Look, I'll stress the point again. How do you bypass your own standards? What did Lawrence O'Donnell do in that office where he was like, by the way, we're not going to fact check this one. We're just going to air it. That seems weird, but they keep doing it. They always do this. Now, I'm not going to, we get it, right? They add NBC News has not viewed the Deutsche Bank records and has not been able to verify what the source told O'Donnell. Apparently, this guy never saw the documents. Their source never saw the documents. So how is hearsay? A guy heard from another guy that, that something in a, in a piece of paper and that's a source for you? Did you know that most news, news organizations require three sources, three sources before you can report? So this to me seems deliberate. I can't say it is, but you know what? They keep doing it. And it's, it's like, you know, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Third, you're not going to fool me a third time, right? Well, Donald Trump responded in this story from The Hill. They highlight Trump's tweets where he said, Crazy Lawrence O'Donnell, who has been calling me wrong from even before I announced my run for the presidency, even being previously forced by NBC to apologize, which he did while crying. Did, was he really crying or is Trump just being a troll here? For things he said about me and The Apprentice, was again forced to apologize this time for the ridiculous claim of all, the most ridiculous claim of all, that Russia, 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 or Russian oligarchs co-signed loan documents for me, a guarantee, totally false as is virtually everything else he and much of the rest of the lamestream media has said about me for years. Apologize. Well, I'll tell you what. Lamestream media is a bit of a boomer term, but I forgive you, Trump, because in this instance, I think you're right. Look, I have this story from The Intercept from January. Beyond BuzzFeed, the 10 10 worst, most embarrassing U.S. media failures on the Trump-Russia story. Now, The Intercept is a fairly progressive outlet. I disagree with them on a lot of things. We agree on a lot of things, though, like, you know, anti-war stuff. And we agree on a lot of things like the Trump-Russia conspiracy theory was just that, a conspiracy theory. But in January, Glenn Greenwald put together this list of all of these stories that they published and later retracted. But again, 
people hear this and they think it's real. That's why we have this unhinged Russia Gate conspiracy group. Look, Rachel Maddow, whatever your opinion is, to me, it looked like she was on the verge of tears when Mueller came out saying the Russia Gate was not true. There was a, vi- a viral video of a woman laughing saying she's crying. Well, she wasn't crying, but her eyes were watering and she was choking up. That's what they've invested in this. But when you see all of these stories, you can't, you can't, I mean, honestly, I can't help but feel sorry for these people. When, you, when you're inundated with lies all day, I mean, you can't help but believe it. Look at this one. RT hacked and took over C- C-SPAN. Totally fake. Never happened. Russian hackers invaded the U.S. electrical grid to deny Vermonters heat during the winter. Washington Post. Never happened. Hold on. There's more. How about a, a deranged anonymous group is claiming that uh, a bunch of media outlets mainstream, that declares mainstream political sites on the left and right as Russian propaganda. And the Washington Post touts it as a uh, touts its report to claim massive Kremlin infiltration. We, here, l- l- let's move on through these quickly. They say Anthony Scaramucci is involved in a Russian hedge fund. That's fake news, but it's funny because Scaramucci apparently is coming after Trump now. Then we have Russia attacked U.S. diplomats using a super sophisticated sonic microwave weapon. NBC and MSNBC reported that one. It's unverified. We don't know what's happening. It's an interesting story, though. But come on, tone it down, guys. How about this one? Trump created a secret internet server to covertly communicate with a Russian bank. Slate. Fake news. Then we have Paul Manafort visiting Julian Assange three times, except nobody noticed. And that's been refuted and denied, and there's no evidence. It's fake news. Number three, CNN lied about Lanny Davis being its source. Because Lanny Davis came out and said, hey, I retract my statements. And CNN was like, nope, 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 we're not going to retract. Robert Mueller possessed internal emails and witnesses, uh, witness interviews proving Trump directed Cohen to lie to, uh, to Congress. And then what do we get? Mueller himself refuting that story. And the big one, one of the best, was when they claimed that Donald Trump Jr. was offered advanced access to the WikiLeaks email archive. You know why? They misread the date on the email. That's it. They were like, wait a minute. How did, he, how, did, how did he have these documents before it was published? He didn't. You read the date wrong. But they publish all of these stories. A day later, they retract. And so it's no surprise then that nobody trusts the press anymore. So here's the thing. I've got this poll from Rasmussen talking about how uh, people don't trust media. Before I show this, though, because this is the pertinent transition, I would say, I just want to highlight this story here from the Washington Post. Washington Post publishes retracts attempt to link conservative author to white nationalism. It's not just Trump. They all do this. They write fake stories, fake research, because it's all about politics. And I got to admit, it's terrifying. You know, the other day I made a video about this research that came out claiming that channels like mine were feeding into the alt-right. They were trying to prove the radicalization nonsense, but it's not true. You know why? What they did was they arbitrarily decided what channels were intellectual dark web, alt-light, or alt-right. And it made no sense. They branded some straight news channels with no opinions and no political discourse as alt-light. So what they did is they found comments and then claimed, oh, here's what's happening. They comment on Tim's video, then Sargon, and then the alt-right. Not true. What they were really doing is commenting on random videos, and then they lined up the channels to make it look that way. That's the game they play. They try to link a conservative to white nationalism. Yeah, because they're embracing this this twisted far-left agenda where they claim everything is, you know, white nationalism. That's not true. It's insane. But it's no surprise we see this. After everything I've shown you, I can't, I, I'm, I'm going to assume you're not surprised. In fact, I'll say this, the headline and thumbnail of the video, you were probably like, yep, what else is new? But check this out from Rasmussen. 
highlighting a tweet from Joe Concha who said, more than 35,000 retweets and 80,000 likes on this tweet boasting a single sourced report where said source hasn't seen the documents that serve as the basis of the allegation. MSNBC declined to comment on this report. NBC News has not verified it. Well, then we have this uh, poll. I highlighted this before, but it, 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 it does bear repeating. Do you trust the political news you are getting? No, 54%. Yes, 32%. So yeah, most people don't believe it. Check this out though. When they write or talk about President Trump, are most reporters trying to help the president pass his agenda, block the president from passing his agenda, or are they simply interested in reporting the news in an unbiased manner? 51% block the president from passing his agenda. Now, here's the thing. Rasmussen is called a conservative pollster. They're, they're accused of being biased. In their approval ratings of the president, they put him over 50% on numerous occasions. No other poll does that. They say, clearly, Rasmussen is biased. You know what? Perhaps. Perhaps all the other outlets are biased. Perhaps the other outlets aren't biased, but people have been lied to so much, they believe the fake news about the president. Or imagine that these news outlets are not correcting for the fact that people were eating fake news, and Rasmussen may be. If the AP, you know, Associated Press just says, do you support Trump or not? They might say no. But what if Rasmussen says a series of fake stories like these, are you aware of them? And then when people finally get the correct view saying, oh, those stories were fake, how do you feel about Trump's presidency? They might say yes. Or it's entirely possible Rasmussen is totally biased, in which case I'll tell you what. As a moderate, I don't know who to trust. Check this out. This one's hilarious. Reed Wilson who is a correspondent at The Hill, tweeted this. What TV news source do you trust the most? Fox News, 24%. PBS and NPR, 13%. CNN, 10%. MSNBC, 7%. And it goes down from there. I'm surprised C-SPAN has two, because C-SPAN is like raw footage of the congressional floor. But interestingly, Fox News is both the most trusted and the least trusted, according to this poll he highlighted. (laughs) It's really weird. We can see this. What TV news or commentary source do you trust the most? Fox News, 23.5%. What TV news or commentary source do you trust the least? And there's Fox News, 39%. Now, there's 394 people who answered in that one, and 235, it it looks like. So here's the issue. I I understand Fox News is going to take Trump's side on a lot of issues. I know Fox and Friends is going to run, you know, content that's more conservative. Do I trust them? You know what? I got to be honest. On some issues, yes, but mostly no. However, I also know that CNN is jokingly referred to as the orange man bad channel. So am I going to trust them? No, I'm not. And, and, and actually, let me, let me clarify about, about the people here and why the numbers are. It's because they, they, they surveyed 1,000 people. So of the 1,000, 235, so they, they, they trust Fox News. But I'm in the middle. I want to know who to vote for. I can see lies on every side. And so what do I do? I understand they don't trust Fox News. But look, when it comes to far left violence and, and things about free speech, Fox News is going to get it right. Why? Because I fact-checked all this stuff. When it comes to Trump, they're more likely going to get it right than, say, CNN or MSNBC, especially after this Lawrence O'Donnell story. But I know that a bias exists. So the problem I'm facing is that Fox News is closer to reality than CNN and MSNBC are. I mean, Fox News has had to issue retractions, and I'm not a big fan of their political pundits for, a lot, for their opinions. I think Tucker does a decent job, but there's a lot of things I disagree with him on. And, and notably, I've had no problem going on my channel and saying I disagree with Tucker Carlson on this, this, and this. It's fine. I think people understand there can be respectable and rational discourse. But what do you do 
when you distrust Fox News and you only get your news from CNN or MSNBC and they just pump you full of fake news. I think it, it's, it's driving a serious problem in this country because it's not just about whether the stories are fake. It's about the increase in the partisan divide. Not only do people distrust the press because they're lying to them with fake news, it's, it's beyond the fake news, it's for a political agenda. So even when they tell you the truth, it's framed in such a way to manipulate you. And I have an example. The other day I did a video talking about NBC. They claimed Trump made a racist comment saying this country is ours and not theirs in re- reference to the squad, you know, Ocasio-Cortez. And they said it echoes, you know, the racist remarks he's made in the past about them. The only problem, he wasn't talking about race. He was talking about class. Trump issued a statement that said, this is a country for all Americans of every zip code, not the coastal elites and liberal mega donors. It is our country, not theirs. What he was saying was, it's a country for the working class Americans, not the super wealthy who are trying to sway politics in big cities. What did NBC News do? Tried making it sound like Trump was actually making a racist comment, saying ours was about being white. That's how they framed it. And I read the story and I was, I was angered by it. I can't say I'm shocked though. So when you have a story like that, where you know they're trying to drag the president, is it any wonder that Rasmussen f- finds this? They're trying to block the president from passing his agenda? I agree with that. I don't trust them. They're, you know, the New York Times recently had a transcript leaked where they said, we're, we focus on Russia. Now we're going to focus on Trump's racism because it's not about the news. It's about the agenda. So you, you end up with huge lists. You end up with stories, you know, like, like Glenn Greenwald. And here's a funny thing about the Glenn Greenwald story. There are 10 more stories. Okay. There were 20. He gave his top 10, but they're honorable mentions. That's how insane it is. For years, they have been playing the same game, but we see it outside of Trump as well. And you know, I, I know you guys who watch YouTube videos, you see it affect us YouTubers, how they'll, they'll lie and pu- publish, you know, twisted and, and factually incorrect information. They'll, they'll misframe it. They're, they're trying their hardest to get our channels deleted. And you know, I was dealing with it, uh, you know, I mentioned the story the other day where they put out fake research, where they try and claim there's a pipeline to the alt-right. They keep doing it. And then we see YouTube actually ban channels. They try to, they try to claim a conservative as a white nationalist, and that's the game they're playing. They're trying to spin the wheel and push everything to the far left. But I'll tell you what, man, the fake news, the lies and the smears aren't doing what they think, that, what they think it's doing. It's not creating more leftists. It's just fracturing our society. I think in the end, when they push this, it's going to result in truly terrifying violence and extreme you know, actions. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, it's never been in this country that people were protesting each other, their friends and neighbors, I mean, like in small towns, going out, standing across the street from someone they know, they go to church with, or they, you know, bought pizza with, and they're holding up signs protesting each other. How does it get to that point? I think we're, I, you know, I, I've talked about the idea of a civil war and all that stuff, and I, I don't want to be, you know, overly dramatic, because I don't, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, big factions marching, and I want to stress that point. But when you have neighbor protesting neighbor, what do you think is going to happen? And you know what's driving it? It's not the president. You know, he contributes for sure, but what's driving it is fake news. Fake news, right here, Daily Caller. Fake news, NBC, MSNBC. We know it. They do it all the time. So you know what? I I don't know what the cure is. I really don't. And you get the people on the the media and the left saying Trump is attacking the press. And it's like, come on, man. I read these stories so much every day. It's always just the same narrative. I'm going to end with one final point. The Washington Post newsroom has a roach problem has nothing to do with anything. But I'd highlight this. A memo says it's a newsroom problem and not happening on other floors. 
This from the Washington, Washingtonian, the Washingtonian, whatever. The Washington Post has, has roaches, I guess. They have a roach problem. Uh, and that's, uh, that's about it. But I will say metaphorically and uh, figuratively and literally, these outlets all have a roach problem. I'm not trying to drag every journalist as a bug and I'm trying to be insulting, but we did just see what happens with the New York Times and the bed bugs things. If you saw that story, the point is there are some really bad people at these, uh, at these outlets. There are some really bad people and, and we know it. And so what do you get? You have actual bugs. Maybe you should clean up, but we also have a fake news problem. So I'm highlighting this just to be kind of silly. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. I don't, I don't know what the solution to, uh, to the fake news problem is. You know, I, I really don't. But I'm going to keep talking about it and I'm going to keep trying to highlight it. So I appreciate you guys hanging out. Stick around. Next segment coming soon and I will see you then. A couple of years ago, I was in Berkeley and I've been to Berkeley in Oakland several times. And I noticed this strange phenomenon. Many of the businesses have far left protest signs in their windows. And at first glance, I just assumed most of these businesses support far left protesters and far left ideology. But it wasn't until I went to one establishment that had a sign in their window where I was talking to the bartender. It was a bar. There you go. And the bar, it was was a restaurant with a bar. And the, the bartender said, you know, we were having a political conversation and they did not sound far left. In fact, they sounded quite moderate and, you know, kind of liberal. And I said, so then what's with the sign in the window? And they said, if we don't put that up, they'll destroy our window. They'll, they'll, they'll smash the windows. They'll loot and rob the store. We, you, know, can, you never know. And I was like, whoa, really? There were a bunch of stores, all of them. And some of them were just like a, a nail salon from Asian immigrants. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. The violent riots that happen in Oakland, they're terrified someone will come and smash their windows. In France, there was a during, during uh, I think it was France. No, no, no. I think it was Germany. Hamburg. There is a photo of all of these storefronts smashed out, save one, with a far left uh, protest sign in the window. So let's get to the, uh, we'll we'll get back to this, okay? But let's get to the brass tacks here. Last night, uh, I should say this morning, about four hours ago, I was greeted at my home by a strange person who tried breaking in. In this, what you see on the screen here is, this right here is the individual. And I'll play for you the video now. And I have some sounds and everything, which um, I'll, I don't know if it's going to play properly here, but you can see them walk, uh, doing, I have no idea what they're, what they're doing. So this is 4.27 a.m. this morning, and they, you know, put some stuff in their bag, and they just kind of dilly around. But I've got more footage. They then walk up to my porch, and now you can see them right here walking up onto my porch. After this, something interesting happens. Now, I'm actually... Um, quite angry that the porch light wasn't on, but that's a whole other issue. What's interesting is that this person walks onto my porch and then does nothing. At least that's what I thought at first. Because in this video, which I'm going to have to drop in a clip over the top because it's not playing the audio. You can hear them try and actually break in. Now, um, I did then have the police come to my house, which you can see here from other surveillance footage at 510. The police actually got here a little bit earlier than that, but, uh, you know, they came out, they talked to us. And so let me tell you what happened. And I do have some, um, uh, some, I don't know, alt enhanced footage for a better view, but let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. I'll tell you why I talked about uh, that thing in the beginning. This was not a chance encounter. This person coming to my house. This was not a random person. They told the police they knew who I was, but here's the thing. 
around 427, uh, as it were, uh, AM, I woke up because I heard a weird noise. And that was it. I heard a, I heard a thump and uh, all of a sudden I wake up and I'm thinking to myself, did I just hear a noise? And what, what people don't seem to understand is that the, the mindset you have when you're alert and awake throughout the day is dramatically different to when you're asleep and just wake up, plus optimism bias, right? There was one story I heard about a, a, a security guard at a bank, saw a bunch of guys running with masks on, and he didn't do anything. And they asked him why later, and he said, I couldn't believe it was actually happening. Well, so here's what happens. I wake up at about 427, as the, the, the security camera shows, because I heard a noise. And I'm groggy, confused. I've just been pulled out of a deep sleep, and I have no idea what's happening. My brain's not functioning yet. And I heard this noise. My lights were on. Now, my lights are voice activated because I have the, the, the Amazon device. And my first thought was, must be a critter. I don't know. But why are my lights on? Well, the reality is my lights, for whatever reason, aren't functioning properly. They like turn on randomly. It's really annoying. I think I know why, but it's like they're supposed to be set on a timer to wake up with the sun. It's, it's a really frustrating thing. They're actually really cool, by the way, but boy, do they not work. So in the middle of the light night, the lights are on. I hear this noise and I wake up and I think it's nothing. Um, maybe the dog. I have no idea. So then I yell out to my Amazon device, turn the lights off and it fails. So I yell again and it fails. So I yell a third time and finally I get the lights to dim down to 1% because boy, do these things love giving me the business. About a minute, a couple minutes after that, I hear knocking and now I realize there actually is someone at my house. This is weird. It's 4.30. It's pitch black outside. I open up my security cameras and I can't see a damn thing. So I'm frustrated. Why is the porch light off? It's on specifically for this reason. They are special bulbs that, you know, so whatever. I guess we need motion detectors. But so I'm frustrated by this. And I'm, who's at my house at 430 knocking? There's no cars in the road. I'm like, is one of my neighbors like needing a cup of sugar? It's like, what is this? It's really weird. So I, I'm not going to get up and go to, the, go to the front door when this strange person knocking. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why I talked about what happened in the beginning. Now, we know who this guy is. So, uh, so and there's going to be a follow-up. Um, we, we, we have information on this person so far. There have been threats towards the event we're putting on this Saturday. I don't think or know if this has anything to do with it. However, due to the nature of the local issues that have been happening, because I live here and the Antifa people who have been harassing and threatening these businesses, I took this very, very seriously. Who in their right mind shows up to a house at 4.30 in the morning walking and it's not my neighbor's Anybody I know would have sent me a text and said, hey, I need to stop by. It's an emergency. And if it was an emergency, they'd be yelling my name. Now, this was different. So I texted my brother because I don't know if you guys know my brother. He's got a YouTube channel as well. And, and he, he's actually here more than I am because I've been doing the traveling and the subverse stuff. And I messaged him I'm like, hey, someone's knocking on the door. And he basically responds exactly as I did. Who in their right mind would show up at 4.30 a.m. pitch black and come knock on our door? So at least they're knocking, right? Well, look, look, they tried breaking in and I'll get to that. So we ignored it. I'm not going to go down and try and figure out who's at my house at 430 in the morning. But then we started hearing noise in the back, like someone may have been trying to break in. So at that point, I said, I'm calling the cops, right? Now, the cops are about one block away from me. So, uh, well, a little bit more than that, but I'm, you know, exaggerating. But they're close. The cops are close. So I call uh, the police and I say, look, and I don't know if I'm overreacting, but someone showed up to my house at 430. 
I heard a noise. They're knocking on the door. And we're concerned about potential threats. And we have no idea why this person is here. Now, look, at first we kind of ignored it. But then we heard a noise at the back door. And we think maybe they're knocking to see if anyone's home. Maybe it's, you know, they want to knock first before breaking in. Or it could be somebody who is potentially threatening me or the event. And I was like, and I, it's really, it's awkward for me to say, but I, I've, you know, I said, I've, I've come to you guys before and let you know that I have like a YouTube channel and that people might, you know, try and pull something like this. And the cops were like, yeah, don't worry about it. Well, we'll, we'll swing by. Well, this is where it gets interesting. We get, uh, I'm on the phone with dispatch or communications or whatever. And he says, did you just meet the officers? And I said, no. And he says, you're not with the officers right now. I said, no, I'm not. And then I can hear the other cop in the, on the radio saying something about being with the caller. And uh, he's like, that's not you. And I'm like, I'm in my house. There's nobody here. Like the cops haven't pulled up. Turns out the cops found the guy. He was about a block away and they stopped him and they searched him. The dude claimed he was a big fan of news anchor extraordinaire Tim Poole and that he walked here from Philadelphia, which is about 15 or 20 miles away. Uh, He took a bus from DC and then walked here across the bridge, which to the best of my understanding is not a pedestrian bridge. Walked to my house at 430 in the morning. And then, as, as we believed at the time, knocked on the door to try and share an important story. So that freaked me out. And I said, you know, so, so the cops ended up coming to my house. That's what you see in, in, this, in this other video. The cops showed up and uh, I'm extremely grateful to them. They got here really quick. They were really nice guys. And, you know, they were calm and they made some uh, 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 allusions to uh, the Second Amendment, which uh, I will take very seriously. And look, look, I am not a, a gun control freak. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm fairly moderate. So I've, I've, we, we've had discussion about home, home defense and we're, we're absolutely for it. So uh, I talked to the cops and they told me, hey, we stopped the guy. We searched him. He was unarmed. He claimed to have been a big fan who wanted to share a story with you. And I said, I don't buy it. I don't, a 4.30 a.m. visit is an intimidation. It's, it's about intimidation. And we're doing this event. I, I don't buy it. Well, here's the thing. And I'm actually about to go to the police department to follow up. After they left, uh, as I was talking to the cops, I pulled up the uh, camera footage. And I said, you know what, man? Like, we, it, it has infrared on it, but it's just, it's not that good. And the porch light was off the one night. It's, it's not supposed to be off, but I guess someone hit the switch and it's really annoying. Boy, am I frustrated about that. Um, but, you know, with the light on, you can see everything perfectly. And the cop was like, well, you, you should. Yeah, I think the guy from my house is back. If you could send police to work, that'd be great. They're on the front porch. I I think it's the same guy from this morning. I have no idea, but I don't know who this is, so I'm not going to answer the door. Yeah, it's one guy. It might be the same guy. I really don't know, but considering... I, I don't know if you're the same guy I talked to this morning or what, but... Yeah. All right. Thank you.
And there you go. So I'll just say this. I don't know who this person is. I don't know what they think they're doing. They just showed back up. The noise I heard in this video sounds like someone trying to pop the latch on my door. It was after the cops left that I went through the surveillance footage and heard that noise and realized what woke me up. Somebody was trying to push on the door and pop it open. And that's the sound I hear. And the cops stopped the guy and apparently he just showed back up. Do not come to my house. Do not come to my house, especially not right now. As I was filming this, they came back. Assume, presumably, I don't know who it was. We have security cameras. And there was somebody who looked similar. I called the cops. Cops are on their way. I guess the person just ran off again. I'm not playing any games. In the middle of the night, somebody walked up on my porch, made no sounds, because when you try and open my door, it actually doesn't make noise. But then they made a noise that sounded like they were trying to pop the latch and push on the door at the same time. And they stood there for several minutes doing nothing. And I don't know what they were doing. And then started knocking. I don't care if they, you know, they actually are a fan or what their plan is or what they're, what they're doing, but this is either, at the best case scenario, someone's deranged and shoved to my house. Um, someone's, I don't know who would, in their right mind would think it's appropriate to come to my house. Well, there you go. As I was filming this video explaining what happened, the person came and, I don't know if you heard, I don't know if you can hear the dog barking, and I checked the camera, and there it was. I just called the cops. So... The, the, the most inappropriate thing you could ever possibly do is come to my house. I don't know who this guy is. I'm not going to find out either. The cops are going to deal with it. He was warned not to come back. And I have video footage, audio, that sounds like he tried sneaking into my house. And I don't know what he's doing now. So, you know what? The cops are going to be here in a second. And then we'll deal with it. And I'm going to upload this. Because, I don't know, I'm crazy, I guess. But I think it's important to, 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 to show everything that's happening right now with people who are trying to dig up my information. And, and this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. So I'll end by saying this. You show up to my house at 4.30 in the morning again. I don't care who you are. And don't be surprised when home defense becomes an issue, if you know what I mean. And I think a lot of people can understand why that's an important thing for most individuals in their home. I live in a sleepy middle-of-nowhere town, kind of. Not really middle-of-nowhere, right? I'm in the suburbs. But I'm in an area uh, where all of our neighbors, we know each other. And no one is going to take kindly to someone showing up at 4.30 in the morning and trying to pop my door open. And I don't know why you did that either. So you know what? This is not a fan. This is freaky. It's really freaky. Some people think, it, you know, there's, there's speculation this per the person's far left. I don't think that's true. Um, I don't know why they're doing it. I just know that somebody got my address and is showing up to my house. So now the police are involved. There you go. That's what happened. Now, look, I'll, I'll stress this point. Normally, you know, this, in the mornings, I'll do a, a segment talking about news. But I'm dealing with the police now because of this. And so this is what I have to do. And I also think it's important to make sure everybody knows this is what happened and why. Uh, in the event, things escalate. Because, I, you know, I, I feel like if I, if I say absolutely nothing... Then what ends up happening is if this person comes back in the middle of the night and, you know, pulls a weapon and does something crazy, no one's going to have any idea. Well, now, there it is. Can you, can you believe that? I don't even know what to say. 
I'm sitting right here right now recording this video and all of a sudden the dude comes back. I get it, man. You want to, whatever, whatever, whatever it is you got going on, but this is the, the, the cops are pulling up. So I'll let you, I'll get, I'll keep you updated. Stick around. Next, next video is going to be at 1 PM. I like doing segments about how dangerous the world can be periodically. And I think it's important to be vigilant and strong and not let your guard down. Now, as many of you may know, earlier this morning, I made a video about someone coming to my house at 4.30 in the morning, and uh, I believe they were trying to get into my house silently. I I could be wrong. I don't want to have an optimism bias, right? If you're not familiar with what that means, it's that you assume negative things can't happen to you, and people have this. I also don't want to have a pessimism bias, and that's where you assume negative things are more likely to happen to you. But when someone shoves up to my house at a time where we're putting on an event and there's threats and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I just recently uh, had a conversation with some police officers several times, then it's a terrible idea to show up to someone's house at 4.30 in the morning, no matter who you are or why. And I will stress, you're, 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 you're lucky if you walk away from something like that, trying to, you know, pop someone's door handle, go in their house or do anything at 4.30 in the morning, especially at a heightened moment like this. And I will stress there are certain things about my, my neighborhood that make it even more alarming somebody would show up. No car, no lights. So here's the story. An intern, 27, is knifed to death by a man who targeted her at random while she was walking a dog in Washington, D.C. You know, there's a lot of things about left-leaning politics that can only exist in a secure state. And I am well aware of this. I am also well aware that a lot of my, my political views, which are rather moderate, um, are only possible because the United States is so safe, and I, I call it hard mode. You know, my, my politics are on the left libertarian side, which means cooperative markets leaning towards, you know, I'm not far left or anything like that, and libertarian, meaning you can't force someone to do it. So here's the easiest way to explain it to people. Do I believe taxation is a good thing? I absolutely do. Do I believe the government should be able to mandate and show up at your house at gunpoint and arrest you and lock you up because you don't want to pay it? Absolutely not. But I do lean towards a cooperative system where we can agree to pitch in to a, you know, some kind of system. And so that, that's what makes me you know, slightly to the left, that I believe these programs can work. I want to highlight this story and talk about this woman for a few reasons. Based on what happened this morning, I think it's important to talk about how the world is dangerous. And because we've made this place so safe, you now have people acting like they, they can walk around in, you know, in the middle of the night without protection. They don't need you know, the Second Amendment and things like that. Now, I've never been anti-Second Amendment, absolutely not, but I am fairly moderate, right? I'm open to listening to conversations about ways we can, um, I don't know, I don't know, it's difficult, you know, because there's the argument of why would you restrict a legal and lawful gun owner who are, are you know, it's, it's, it's like, you got, the, the likelihood that a legal gun owner commits a crime like, you know, what we've seen in the past is you, you have a better chance of winning the lottery. So sometimes it doesn't make sense. These, these, uh, a lot of the laws proposed, like the assault weapons ban, and I'm not for those things. And I'll tell you this, waking up to that, you know, that, that sound, I'll tell you what, the first thing I was looking for is like, what can I, what can I, what can I have? And even, even uh, some law enforcement alluded to the Second Amendment, as did many other people. And, and so I believe, you know, home defense, spot on, like Dave Chappelle did. This, let, let me not, you know, beat around the story. Um, this is a woman who was 27, and she was killed at random in D.C. while walking a dog. And, that, and that's, that's the book of the story. Right? I highlight this for a couple of reasons. Random. That's the key word. Random. This is somebody who was walking a dog, a 27-year-old woman fatally stabbed walking a dog in D.C., and it was a random attack. Her name was Marjorie McGill. Rest in peace. I'm, I'm you know, sorry to her friends and family. 
it's a tragic story. And um, I mean in no way to be disrespectful to her or anything like that. I'm hoping that as tragic as this was, it can, there, there can be something, you know, uh, helpful to other people. I hear so often, you know, mostly from the left that teach, you know, you, you know, teach men not to rape or whatever. And it's like, listen, man, I, and I know all of you guys know it, but I really wanted to just talk about this. There, sometimes people are crazy. You know, sometimes people don't think straight. You don't know what their intentions are. So, you know, for me, having someone show up to my house in the morning, I'm not going to make an assumption about who you are or, or, or what you want. Or I should, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I will make that assumption. I'm not going to assume optimism. I'm going to, to assume pessimism. Why? Because you see stories like this. This woman's walking her dog and she sees a man and she probably says, you know what? I think nothing of it. Next thing you know, he's pulled out a knife and he's ended her life. I also wanted to talk about this too, because I think it's a really important thing to talk about in, you know, in DC and the, and the violence and stuff. And, and it also, uh, outside of the world is dangerous and you need to be prepared to protect yourself at all times. I'll, I'll finish off this point by saying, perhaps it would be wise to take a self-defense course. It's, it's crazy to me that a lot of places, a lot of cities make it illegal to have any kind of self-defense weapon. I, it's it's kind of nuts. Like even pepper spray in some pe- places is illegal and that's not even necessarily that effective. But self-defense classes, you know, because when you have this optimism bias that'll never happen to you, that's when it does. But I want to make another point too. There's a, there's, a, there's a reason why I wanted to talk about this. A couple reasons. For one, obviously the video I did this morning um, was freaky. Somebody showing up to my house. Wow, that was a terrible, terrible idea. And um, after I filmed the video, um, I ended up talking to some of the police and stuff. And apparently the person left a note, which I didn't read. The cops took it um, as evidence, I suppose. The other thing, though, is I want to talk about conspiracy theories. And I think this is an interesting story to, to, to say. When you have like an optimism bias or a pessimism bias, you're making an assumption about what could or couldn't happen. And with DC, we go back to the story about Seth Rich. NBC News hilariously tried to smear me when I went to uh, the White House summit as someone who's pushed the conspiracy simply because I said I give it a less than 100% chance Fox News was correct. Fox News reported that it was basically true. And I said I didn't believe it. And they claimed that was pushing it. Well, no, I've never believed it was true. And I've never pushed it. I've always actually provided healthy skepticism, especially when we didn't have a lot of details. But I want to highlight this story because this woman was an intern. She worked on you know, policy issues. There's no conspiracy here. These things, this is the real world. People are dangerous. You know, don't, don't be fearful of, of every human, but just recognize it happens. The danger is, is real and it's rare, but it's real. Seth Rich was killed in what they believe, I, I, my understanding is a botched robbery. But a lot of people believe it was political and they believe that he leaked information to WikiLeaks. I'm not going to play any of that game. You know why? Because a simple solution is the world is dangerous. The world is not a perfect Skittles and candy canes, rainbows, unicorns. You can be walking your dog in DC and someone could just kill you for no reason. And it's, it's sad. You know, I'm really, really sad. They say that it wasn't a robbery. They say that he didn't try to take anything. Wasn't a, a sexual assault. Literally just killed her for no reason. And the same can be true for someone like Seth Rich. But when you add that political story, oh, the guy worked for the DNC. All of a sudden now everyone wants to uh, ascribe some kind of like ulterior motive to the assailants. When in reality, I think we all need to realize that we've taken our safety for granted. I feel like one of the only reasons you have a left, uh, a left wing, a far left that detests police is because they're safe. It's, it's, it, it's true. It's because they don't have to call someone to show up at their house at four in the morning. And, and if you don't know what that's like, you know, 
to wake up at four in the morning and call the police and be like, thank you for coming here because I don't know, you know, what I should or, or, or could do. I don't know what this person's presented. And it's those officers who are prepared for the worst. And if you don't understand, you know, that, that, that fear of danger because you've never encountered it, well, then you're going to find yourself believing the world is Skittles and lollipops. And that, in my opinion, lets your guard down. I don't think we should build a world where we have people, you know, carrying around AR-15s and swords and armor all the time. But I also don't think we should disarm ourselves. I mean that figuratively and literally. I mean, you know, mentally disarm ourselves as well as the police and our security, you know, apparatus to a certain extent. And, and you know, firearms, simply because we've started experiencing things less. I feel like that's an optimism bias. You have a lot of people who will be, I have people who said to me, why would anyone ever need a firearm? Why would anyone? And I'm like, clearly you live in a wealthy area with, with, with you know, with low crime and low, you live in an area with low poverty and you've never had a scare. You've never had someone try breaking in your house. You've never come home to see your house ransacked. You've never had strange people following you. You know, you've been safe. And that's because we've made this country very, very safe and crime has gone down. And now people are taking it for granted. Now they're talking about how the cops are bad and all that stuff. And it's like, look, there are some bad cops. And there's, there's, there's a bad culture in, in many departments. But on average, the local guys in my neighborhood, good dudes. We had a laugh and they came over and they said, don't worry, you know, we got you. We'll take care of everything and I appreciate it. And that's being taken for granted. Get rid of the cops. You know, get rid of your defense. And then wait for that one crazy person who for no reason decides to end a young woman's life. And what are you going to do? And the point is, is, is brought up further and a lot by, um, you know, people who are pro-gun, pro-2A, when, uh, when, when you have, what, what is the saying? It's uh, when the cops will be there in minutes, you know, seconds matter or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in my room with someone, you know, knocking on the door at 4.30 in the morning after we've been getting threats about the event. And I'm thinking, what are my options? Exit, you know, uh, answer the door. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. 4.30 in the morning, no cars. The person walked here. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I don't want to get the officer in trouble, but he said something like, you know, if it were me, I'd answer the door with a, you know, in a, with, with, uh, with some home defense, to say the least. And I laughed and I was like, I hear you, man. I hear you. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Because uh, even the cops know. Even the cops know. And, and here's the thing, you know, a lot of people will say there's a risk of accidents. No, you can be responsible. And if something happened where somebody was trying to break into my house and I had a weapon, I, you know, like Dave Chappelle said, birdshot, buckshot, birdshot, buck, buck, buck. And uh, you give them a warning. You know, the click clack is that warning. And then when the police arrive, you put it down and you call the police. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm coming out and they'll say, hey, come on out and we're good to go. So anyway, this is kind of like an addendum to the, the video earlier this morning. I was reading the news and I saw this story and I like talking about this. I do. Um, there, there are stories every so often that show you that the world is not safe, even in our own country. A lot of the videos I've done talking about the world as a dangerous place highlight foreign countries. Seriously, like Tajikistan. And we, and we as Americans roll our eyes and say, well, of course, Tajikistan's not safe. They've got like, you know, ISIS nearby. Well, here's a story for you about Washington, D.C., one of the wealthiest d- districts, I guess, in the country. And it was a young woman who thought that she could just go walk her dog. And a crazy person, for seemingly no reason, just decided to end her life. And I, I wonder if there was something she could have done that would have prevented this. Let's be real. In a lot of circumstances, a gun is ineffective uh, uh, against a knife. This is a fact. You know, people might make the joke, be like, you brought a, a knife to a gunfight. And it's like, actually, that's actually good. 
So, you know, watch the videos. I've watched the videos on this, you know, um, where you can see it was Mythbusters actually, I think did this. And they said, what's better in close range? In reality, a knife is because drawing a weapon, you know, and firing it takes longer than, you know, I think they, they said that you could close the gap of 20 feet and, and hit someone with a fatal shot with a knife, you know, hit him with, hit him with a knife before they have a chance to fire around 20 feet. And that's what people don't understand is when, when you see these cops and they're like close to somebody and they start shooting because they know what the guy has, everyone says he had no reason to do it. And it's like, man, you don't understand the training. I, I would prefer, you know, less lethal uh, uh, weapons for a lot of cops, for sure. Like, I don't think people need to die because the t- uh, things got tense. But even in this, even if she had a gun in D.C., this guy would have walked up to her and she would not have been able to defend, to defend herself with it before he killed her, you know? So the, the point I'm trying to make is, it's not so much whether or not you have a weapon for defense. It's whether or not you're alert, you understand the danger, and you don't, you know, you don't take, the, you don't take your, your safety and security for granted. You don't just get used to everything being safe and fine all the time. I never, I guess, I guess because for me, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I've never been, uh, I've never felt like I'm ridiculously safe all the time. So when, you know, I'm walking down the street, I'm watching shadows. I'm, that's, that's Chicago. And so I know, I know the danger, you know, and I, I think that, I think growing up in a, in a difficult place with real threats makes you more moderate. I don't want to say conservative because I think, you know, there's different aspects like family tradition and things like that. They'll make you conservative, but growing up in a blue city makes me very, made me very liberal. And then experiencing, you know, hardship, homelessness, and the threats of violence made me realize a lot of these things, these people espouse on the far left about, you know, banning guns or whatever, and not all of them, a lot of the far left people want guns. It comes from a point, uh, it comes from a place of privilege. And I'll say it. It's true, though. It's, it's wealthy people who, you know, live in an area with no crime, little poverty, and they never have to worry about anything. And they say, I don't need to defend, you know, a firearm. Why would anybody else? And I admittedly don't live in a bad area. I'm just like in a normal, you know, middle class suburb. But yeah, when you live, you know, you people uh, face real danger. And this, look, this, this story is, is not a good example of an instance where you would, you would, uh, you know, could be protected by a weapon. This story is the perfect example of some, there's some things that just, it's just not safe. And to the people who think that everything's going to be a utopia and everything will be fine, I, 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 I try to remind you, no matter what policies you pass, no matter what weapons you ban, no matter what you do, a crazy person will do a crazy thing. And look, I get it. This was one woman and I'm so sorry to, to hear her passing you know, this is brutal. At least it wasn't 15 people with a, with a gun. But at the same time, how you deal with crazy people is, is, is an entirely different question. And it's hard. It's, it's like, I ask you, what's, what, what are you going to do? Do the UK doesn't ban knives? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely, you can't do that. People need knives. It's a tool. But not only that, I've seen people take a padlock and tie it to a shoestring and swing it and whack people with it. And that can kill you too. So it's, you know, I guess, the, I guess the point is, I'll wrap it up here because I don't want to make it too long, is, um, yeah, I've been thinking about the dangers of the world, especially since the video this morning, and uh, the world is dangerous, and some things are out of your control. Stop thinking control, you can control everything and start realizing that the, you, you, you can't change the direction of the wind, but you can adjust your sails. So in the event a crazy person comes storming at you, if you've prepared your ship, you can weather that storm. But if you take it for granted and assume the storm will never come, you will capsize. Thanks for hanging out. Next segment will be at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast, different channel. I will see you all there. Is it equality 
if one marginalized group starts attacking another marginalized group and then asserting whether or not one group is more privileged than the other, I honestly have no idea. And this is a very confusing story as it pertains to intersectional feminism. From the National Review, woman-only rape relief shelter defunded then vandalized, saying, they wrote on the windows, turfs go home, you are not welcome, kill turfs and trans power. If trans rights activists are vandalizing a rape center, what do you do? I, I, you know, I, I genuinely have no idea how to even address this in the context of the left. Do they, will they agree with any of this? Will they say the women's only rape center keeping out trans women is bigoted? Or will they say vandalizing a rape center is bigoted? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's read the story, figure out what's going on, and we'll talk a little bit about the argument we often hear from gender critical feminists. Now, I know there are intersectional feminists who don't like using that phrasing, but I'm not going to use a derogatory term for somebody. So for those that aren't familiar, gender critical feminists are biological females who believe that trans rights activists, typically biological males, are invading their territory. And I think this is an example of that. But I do have another story that we can go over if we get to it about a biological male switching to the women's team and then potentially being on track to shatter their record. So let's read this story. Before we get started, head over to youtube.com slash timcastirl. It is a new channel with on-the-ground reporting soon to be. I have one video just explaining it and already 35,000 subs. That's really, really awesome. I really appreciate it. It's going to be field reporting, travel, vlog, etc. And I'm going to start building it up because the van is about to be done. And so the road trips are going to start soon. And uh, subscribe if you want to see more content like that. But let's read the news. From the National Review, despite boycotts, threats, and a slaughtered rat nailed to its front door, this Canadian women's shelter soldiers on. This week, staff of the Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter in British Columbia found messages such as kill turfs, F turfs, and what else? Trans women or women scrawled across their windows and walls. They say turf is a trans exclusionary radical feminist. It is generally derogatory term for feminists who do not believe certain things about transgenderism. This is not the first time something like this has happened. Three weeks ago, a woman seeking the shelter services was alarmed to find a dead rat nailed to the front door. You know what's really hard for me about the story is it's, it's, I think it's fair to point out the woman's shelter is the victim in all this, being vandalized, attacked <clears throat> by a kind of fanatical group of people who are nailing dead rats to your doors. But of course, the left perspective is going to be, this is a supremacist, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say white, but you know, it's, it's, it's turfs and they don't like them. But let's read. The women who come out to support groups are rape victims and battered women, says Hilla Kerner, the spokeswoman, who has worked at the shelter for 14 years. One of them said to me, haven't we suffered enough? So I guess my question is, of all the places to attack and vandalize, why a rape crisis center? I mean, you can talk about white feminism in the context of like the media or whatever, and you can criticize TERFs and other institutions like schools and track meets and, you know, sporting events, but a rape crisis center. Kerner spoke to me by phone explaining that though the staff at the shelter called the non-emergency law enforcement line to report the vandalism, they think it is unlikely or rather mission impossible that they'll find the culprit. In any case, they have bigger and more important things to worry about, such as operating their 24-hour crisis line and helping to shelter women escaping domestic violence and prostitution. Indeed, it is striking that unlike many trans activists, Kerner draws a distinction between language and behavior, saying, we deal with real violence and physical violence, so I don't want to blur the real threat on women's lives and dangers to women's safety with abusive and intimidating language. This is not the same level of threatened violence. Now, now, I I gotta say something. No matter what I do, 
No matter what I say, I get one side of this coming after me. When I defend, you know, trans rights and say, you know, transgender uh, individuals deserve rights and respect, et cetera, et cetera. But I do, I do understand that biological women need to be protected in certain circumstances too. I get flack from biological females, from gender critical feminists saying that I'm being a misogynist by not giving them the space they demand and siding with them in removing transgender uh, uh, individuals. I really, look, it's, it's an impossible, it's an impossible thing to navigate. You know, I, I get messages all the time where they're like, I'm a misogynist or I'm a trans misogynist. I haven't even, I, you know, and, and this is the problem with, with intersectional feminism as it is today. You know, what we're seeing is a fracturing of a fracturing of a fracturing of all of these tribes into smaller and smaller categories. And then they start attacking each other. You know what? Conservatives don't do that. Maybe it's because conservatives are less likely to form groups. They're more individualistic. So their overarching group is simplified and it's just that they're conservative. And then you look on the intersectional side and you have sex positive feminists, sex negative feminists, gender critical feminists, intersectional feminists, and they're all fighting each other all the time. Uh, but let's read a little bit more. They go on to say that uh, the mission, VRRW's mission, is inspired by feminist philosophy, specifically by the belief that women, meaning the female sex, are born into an oppressed class. This is why their peer support groups and housing programs are reserved for those who are born female and who therefore have shared experience beyond sex-based services. VRRW staff are generally happy to assist people of both sexes and all gender identities insofar as they can. For instance, Kerner recalls an instance when someone called and said they were a transgender woman, which means they were born male, and we made sure they were safe. We do not see our work in isolation, Kerner says. They also consider themselves anti-capitalist and anti, you know what, an anti-colonialist. The organization has an unusual structure and that there is no hierarchy and when decisions need to be made, everyone gets one vote. I asked Kerner if she considers the organization progressive. Very, very progressive. But not progressive enough for the city of Vancouver, it would seem. In March of this year, Vancouver city councilors withdrew funding from VRRWS, despite the fact that the grant in question, approximately $30,000, went toward public education and outreach services that were open to both sexes regardless of identity. Previously, follow, uh, previously, Following pressure from trans activists at the 2016 British Columbia Federal Federation of Labor Conference, the BCFED and its affiliated unions pulled all its funding from VRRWS again on the basis that it limited its services to biological females. Listen, men and women are different, okay? When you have biological males competing against biological females, guess who's going to win? There's a professor on, uh, on Twitter, and he's got a tweet going viral because he said something like, when you actually look at the data, you can see that in strength and power, men have like a 30% advantage. Someone responds with, "Do you have? did you go to school for this? Do you have a PhD? Have you published a peer-reviewed journal? If not, then STFU. And his response is yes, 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 and yes. So this, this, this is the big problem. It's, it's people who don't really understand what's going on, arguing that biological males should be in biological female spaces. Now, look, man, I, I went over this. This is such a very difficult piece of, it's, it's like walking on thin ice. I have no idea where, where the safe ground is. And I wanted to highlight this because I think it's, it's absolutely detestable that someone would nail a dead rat to the wall of a, cra- a crisis center. And I do think biological females deserve a space to feel comfortable away from biological males. You know, one of the points I made when talking about the bathroom debate is that I think it's, it's unfair that there may be a biological female with a real trauma, a real trigger, maybe she was uh, abused, and she wants to go in a space where she knows there won't be biological males. You then get an argument that bathrooms should just be generic and open to everybody. Now, this doesn't include single 
use bathrooms. And that's the real solution here. But as of now, a lot of the laws are just making it so that anybody can go anywhere. And then you have real women, who, uh, biological women, biological females, feeling unsafe. Well, when you do this, this is exactly the problem. It's, it's you know, there, there's that other Canadian individual who I'm not going to bring up. But these are the stereotypes that everyone is trying to avoid when we're talking about protecting the rights of, of trans people. The last thing they need is for dead rats to be nailed to a building to get funding stripped from this place because what this shelter is doing is good. It's also extremely confusing in that they're anti-capitalist, anti-colonialist, socialist, whatever, and they're being called bigots and supremacists and all that other stuff. The other story, which I'm not going to get too much into, is, you know, look, I, I, I want to avoid any kind of transphobia. But here's the problem. You have two very angry groups of people. I'm not talking about all feminists and all trans people. I'm talking about there is a group of angry individuals on both sides. And if you don't take their side, they declare war on you. And I refuse to accept it. I believe it is absolutely wrong for biological males to be competing against biological females. I believe it's wrong because we created the special class for biological females who are, who are at a disadvantage against biological males. I think it makes absolute sense to have a space dedicated to biological females. That is a protecting, that is a protection of the class. We are creating a space specifically for a marginalized group. A trans woman is different from a biological female. 100%. I'm not saying, I'm not going to give the whole trans woman or women thing. I'm saying literally someone born male is different from someone born female. So perhaps there needs to be a trans space and a female space. Is that, is that difficult? So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be straight with you guys. I saw this story and I felt like it absolutely had to be highlighted and discussed because it's showing a rift in the culture war, right? It's something we all know. Kill turfs is an extreme statement, but we know this fighting goes on all the time. And I think this is extreme, but boy, if I look normally I can talk straight, have no problems, but this is such dangerous territory. I'm going to, I'm going to end this video uh, and make, you know what? hate incoming no matter what I do. But, but this has got to be talked about. It does. There, there's got to be a solution to this. And I'm, I'm on the side of um, we, maybe we need a special uh, location for shelters for trans people and one for biological females so they can feel safe. I have no idea. Everything's so damn confusing. I'm done. Stick around. I got another segment coming up in a few minutes and I'll see you shortly. I have a series of stories from Pluralist, which I find actually quite funny. Because in each story, they link to another story, and it, and it builds up this perfect line, this progression of how fake news drives everyone insane. And I thought it would be fun to uh, walk this, uh, this link path. The first story, Trump deny, uh, uh, I'm sorry, CNN pundit suggests Trump wants to nuke, nu nuke hurricanes because they're African. Yes, you may have heard the story that Trump was talking about nuking hurricanes as they formed, disrupt the, the, the storm, and it, the idea doesn't work. Trump's denied it. And now April Ryan is, I believe it's April Ryan, is that what it is? Yeah, uh, um, no, wait, who is this? Camarota, not April Ryan, Am Camarota. Well, we'll read this. We'll get the name right. So we'll read this. But apparently someone from CNN is claiming Trump only wants to, to nuke these because they're coming from Africa. I kid you not. Even blowing up a hurricane is racist. Let's read. They say CNN political, so it was April Ryan. April Ryan on Monday sought to racialize a recent report that Donald Trump suggested nuking hurricanes. New Day host Allison Camarota started by reading aloud from a then-breaking Axios report 
that Trump had repeatedly urged officials to explore using nuclear bombs to stop hurricanes from hitting the United States. Camarota read, during one hurricane briefing at the White House, Trump said, I got it, I got it. Why don't we nuke them? According to one source who was there, they start forming off the coast of Africa. As they're moving across the Atlantic, we drop a bomb inside the eye of the hurricane and it disrupts it. Why can't we do that? The source added, paraphrasing the president's remarks. Well, first, that doesn't work. But next, they, they go straight to Africa. Now, but before we read this, I'm going to do this. Go, go over to youtube.com slash timcastirl. It is a new channel. Subscribe. Not only is it a good backup where you can go in the event that YouTube decides to destroy my channels because politics, political season is coming up. I'm going to be doing on the ground reporting, travel vlogging, and I'm going to be driving around America, meeting good old Americans, eating granny's apple pie. And we're going to talk about life and politics and the economy and stuff. Subscribe to this channel. Uh, YouTube.com slash TimCastIRL. It is a new channel. It's got one video, and you can see my explanation for why. But let's get back to the news story. After some chatter on the CNN panel about Trump not being science-based, Ryan cut in saying, this is the president of the United States saying something about that, and he brought in Africa. He's called Africa a S-hole nation. Africa is a continent. And what part of Africa are you talking about? Sub-Saharan Africa, where there are mostly black people? This is just crazy. This is a ripple effect that could happen for land, sea, for people. If he did something like this, for this man to think this, this is the leader of the free world. What? What? Anything he does and says impacts people, impacts the globe. There needs to be someone who vets what he says because this is dangerous. In a, look, Trump's denied it. Someone claimed he did it. Others, you know, some people believe that Trump was trying to weed out some leakers. Maybe Trump didn't realize he, maybe he made a joke. Maybe Trump was just kidding, like, ah, we should just nuke the dang things, right? And someone took it seriously. Or maybe he didn't really say it at all. I don't know. Who cares? Why is it news? And then you see what happens. Let me explain to you this cycle of insanity. Trump makes an off-the-cuff comment, potentially. Somebody leaks it to the press. CNN picks it up and then does a story where they allude to racism. And then YouTube personalities criticize the, 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 the fake racism. And the cycle continues. All because Trump said at some private meeting something about dropping a bomb on a storm. And maybe he didn't even do that. And here we are. Why am I even doing this? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. you know what? It's funny. I'll talk about it. But man, what is, what a stupid political cycle, huh? Like, isn't this dumb? Whatever. Let's read. They say, uh, they mentioned the Trump asshole countries thing, but let's do this right here. We can see feminists outraged by Trump's sexist gesture to millennia in, uh, Melania in viral video. We then hop over and we get another pluralist story. And what's really, really funny about this, because I, I do want to read this story and talk about Trump derangement syndrome. But what's really funny is then it links to another story. Now, before I tell you what that story is, I want to stress, when you hear that Trump is racist for wanting to blow up a hurricane, that Trump is sexist for patting his leg to, to be like, hey, let's go, you know, you start to wonder what effect this will have on people. What will people do when they hear nothing but orange man bad over and over and over again? Well, they'll stab themselves. That's what they'll do. That's the next story. Woman repeatedly stabs herself because she's tired of Trump being president. Well, thanks, media for talking about that. And yeah, I know I'm including myself in this because I'm talking about it too. But there you go. That's the final result. A woman stabbed herself because Trump is president. Because all of the fake press and all of the smears and all the lies has driven someone insane. We'll read that story. It, it is a rehashing of an old story. But I want to I wanna walk towards this Trump derangement syndrome finale. And we'll start with this story. Feminists outraged by Trump's sexist gesture. You know what he did? You know what Trump did? I, I, he patted his leg. That's, that's all. He, it's you know what, man. Trump could sneeze and they'll scream bigot. So uh, you, uh, for those that are uh, listening on the podcast, check this out. We can see Trump 
standing by the car, and he pats his thigh, just like on his side, and then Melania gets, just walks over, and they start walking. That's it. That's, that's, uh, that's literally all that happened. They say a vocal contingent of social media users slammed President Donald Trump for purportedly making a misogynist gesture towards his wife, Melania Trump, earlier this month. In a video shared widely to Twitter on Wednesday, comedy writer James Felton highlighted Trump appearing to tap his thigh while waiting for Melania. The footage came from the president's visit to El Paso, Texas, where a mass shooting took place in early August. And so he tweeted, Donald Trump, quote, nobody respects women more than me. Also Donald Trump, here girl, come here girl, Pat's lag, come here wife, there's a good girl, heel wife. The problem is Trump didn't do anything. He literally did nothing. He just went like, I don't know if you can hear that, but he just, it's just like, like, hey, over here, like, you know, like, bop, bop, bop. You know, if, what if, what if you went like that? What if you like waved and went like that? Is that, the point is no matter what Trump does, he could sneeze and they'll write that he's a misogynist. He can make a comment about how, like, like the NBC news did where he says, this is not a country of coastal elites. It's a country for everyone. And they call him racist for it. This was really frustrating because I've been talking, you know, I was talking to um, someone the other day and I was like, look, man, we live in a country where you have two overarching factions, like those who think Trump is a great person and those who think he's like uh, pure evil incarnate. And I'm like, what happened to regular old sane people who are just like, not a big fan of the guy, I think it's kind of gross, but he's not racist and sexist for doing these things, man. And then it, it creates a really funny dynamic where, you know, I, I get people who watch who are Trump supporters who are like, I get you don't like him, but you're right. He's not being sexist by petting on his leg. <laughs> but here's what happens. People are susceptible to media, right? Uh, so they, they read the tweets and then some, uh, several commenters replied to the clip expressing their disdain for the president. I'm well aware he's a crass, vulgar misogynist, but I still found the clip shocking. Oh no, he patted his leg. This is the country we live in. And this is why I think the Democrats are doomed, man. I try talking to people and having a sane conversation about what we need in terms of like a left in this country and they've lost the plot. They're catering to the woke, insane leftists who think Trump patting his leg is an overt misogynistic gesture. What? what? He, did, he literally did nothing. Like nothing. You know, I, I, I think the reason these people are super sensitive is they've never experienced hardship. Go to a foreign country and experience some real you know, adversity and you'll just be like, oh, I don't care that he patted his leg. Who cares? It has no bearing on me or anybody else. But some people, some people just straight lose it. And this is a story from back in June. Woman repeatedly stabs herself because she's tired of Trump being president. A Florida woman stabbed herself in the stomach multiple times over the weekend because she was tired of living in a President Donald Trump's, in President Donald Trump's America, police said. So this is an old story, but this is, this is the end result of what you expect when people have Trump derangement syndrome. And in this story, it brings us to the final conclusion of the arc through pluralist. I got to admit, it was really funny when I opened the story and I saw the link and I'm like, oh, now they're calling Trump sexist. And the next link is a woman stabs herself multiple times. And there is the bottom. Trump derangement syndrome. This is what is happening in this country. When everything Trump does is wrong, people don't see the video. They hear someone say, did you hear that Trump was like doing like sexist gestures to Melania, like just making weird faces and stuff at her? And they're going to be like, whoa, I was at a bar. I heard someone go, did you hear that Trump declared himself the king of Israel and claimed he was the second coming? And I'm like, oh my God, no, that's not what happened. Well, I can certainly criticize the president for quoting that dude who said he was like, they love him like the king of Israel or like the second coming. The dude was just kissing Trump's, you know, blowing smoke up his butt. 
The guy was trying to praise the president and the president quoted him. The president didn't declare himself to be the king of Israel, but that's what people do. It's a game of telephone. So then someone else hears that and they think, oh, he's declaring himself king now. And then they stab themselves multiple times in the stomach. We live in the Trump derangement world. The pluralist, pluralist writes, last year, therapists indicated a rise in what they unofficially diagnosed as Trump anxiety disorder. In a 2017 essay, clinical psychologist Jennifer Panning, who was credited with originally coining the term, described the symptoms of Trump anxiety disorder as worrying about the state of the country, feeling helpless and out of control, and spending too much time on social media. Get out to the world. Look, I'm on, I'm on social media all the time. I read the stuff, but I understand, you know, you, you need a little bit of levity. But I think a lot of people don't, they're not on social media. That's the problem. It's not so much that the people who have Trump, uh, uh, Trump derangement syndrome are on social media. It's that they're not fact-checking these things. So you hear a story about Trump wanting to nuke a hurricane and CNN turns it into a racist incident. You hear a story about, about Trump being like, hey, you know, let's, let's get out of here and patting his thigh. And they turn it into him saying his wife is like a dog or something. And then somebody who doesn't see the video hears it and goes insane. So there you go. There's your progression. Trump derangement syndrome. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. About a year ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and he vaped all the time. And I said to him, I think you shouldn't vape. And he said, well, I think vaping is fine. And that's like a typical conversation. I mean, it was more nuanced than that. We're like having a conversation about vaping and smoking and pot. And I said, my concern is, you know, like long-term studying, but like in the end, do you really need to do it? I understand a lot of people do it because they like the flavors or I have no idea. I don't, I don't know why people do that stuff. I don't smoke, never smoke. And he said, you know, oh, it's fine. You know, I like doing it. And the guy at the shop told me it was totally safe. And I started laughing and I was like, wait, wait, the guy at the shop told you it was safe. He's like, yeah, so it must be fine. I'm like, your dealer told you that you're, you're, you're vaping. Like, of course he's going to tell you it's safe, dude. He's trying to sell you a product. Now, look, I think uh, where we are right now, it does seem that vaping is safer than smoking cigarettes. However, we are getting a string of press about vaping-related illnesses and even a vaping-related death. Now, my general understanding of this is that there's some vape juice or whatever, whatever you call it, that's gone out that tried to use some kind of uh, an additive to kind of inflate the amount of, you know, vape juice or whatever you call it. I don't, I don't vape. Uh, it tried to in- inflate how much you had by like, you know, filler. And this resulted in an immune response in a lot of people, which give, gives them like pneumonia-like symptoms. And apparently someone died. I don't know if it's the same dude, but I was reading a story about someone who was on an artificial lung, like not the one where they breathe for you, one where they actually pump blood out of your body into a machine to fix the blood and put it back. And I'm like, y'all need to stop vaping. Um, but but, I'll, but I'll, I'll say this. I'm not a doctor. Read the news for yourself. You figure it out for yourself. I think, you know, uh, I know like San Francisco, I think banned vaping or something. I think pot should be legal. I think people should choose what they want to do. And, you know, we should do the best we can to make, pe- make sure people are informed. And that's kind of what I do, right? I'm just going to tell you the facts. So here's what I did. I pulled up all sides because it's a really interesting issue, vaping. How do people feel about it? You know, people on the right are typically more likely to say we shouldn't legalize pot. People on the left say we should legalize pot. I'm all for legalizing pot. And I want to see how it's addressed because I got to be honest, like, I don't know anything about vaping. I don't want to tell you it's unsafe because there's one string of, you know, outbreaks or whatever, but at least in one area. 
Milwaukee urges residents to stop vaping. Now, before we jump into the story, head over to youtube.com slash Timcast IRL, a new channel. It's going to feature on the ground reporting, traveling, subscribe. Uh, it's, it's also like a backup channel. I always try to make sure I'm diversifying the content I do because you never know when YouTube's going to come and just destroy your channel like they've done to so many people. But this will be an on the ground channel. It's going to be a lot of traveling, eating grandma's pie in the middle of the country, talking about how they feel, how's the economy, all that good stuff. Get away from the big national opinions and, and talk to real Americans. YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. But let's read the news. All sides reports. The city of Milwaukee warned residents to stop vaping in the midst of an outbreak of lung disease this week. All of those suffering from lung complications in Milwaukee admitted to being chronic users of either THC vaporizers or e-cigarettes. Last week, an Illinois man became the first vaping-related death after lung complications from regularly using a THC vaporizer. Illinois has the most vape-related illnesses in the country. Some right-leaning media sources quickly blamed marijuana and its widespread use even going as far as, to, uh, as far as suggesting that legalization would worsen the problem. I disagree. They, they, go, they, they then go on to say some left-leaning media voiced, uh, promoted, uh, some left-leaning media voices promoted the contrary reporting, that because marijuana is not legalized, research, quality control, and proper testing are made more difficult. And I agree with that assessment. I, you know, I, I, look, you know, you guys know me. But here's the thing. If, uh, it's really funny when people talk about prohibiting, you know, pot, or drugs or beer. And it's like, we know prohibition doesn't work. We know prohibition results in black markets. You can say the same thing for firearms. Banning it isn't going to stop people who want to get it from getting it. Now, admittedly, if you ban, you know, um, THC vaporizers and pot, you'll see a lot less uh, law-abiding citizens using it, but you will see a dramatic increase in criminal use because a lot of people who weren't criminals before will be criminals now. So I tend to be, look, I'm very, very, you know, pro-freedom on this one. I think the, if somebody wants to choose to pour something down their lungs, look, man, if somebody wants to choose to eat a Tide Pod, that's your decision. I mean, admittedly, with a Tide Pod, I'd probably try and stop you. You know what I mean? But should the government show up to your house, put a gun to your head and say, no Tide Pods for you? It's a challenge. It is because we don't want people, you know, hurting themselves, but we also shouldn't be, a, you know, shouldn't have a system where we can force people to live the way we think they should live. Especially when it comes to vaporizers, when it comes to pot, when it comes to drugs, things that actually don't immediately kill you, but could be bad for you if abused. And that's a lot of drugs, especially opioids right now in the crisis. So we have three stories. And I actually wanted to uh, pull the centrist version because we've heard what they're saying about the right, that right wingers are saying, hey, this is going to get worse if we legalize, you know, pot. The left is saying, no, we should, but let's read the center. Let's read the full story from USA Today. It's probably going to be very generic, but uh, they say, Milwaukee's alert comes as federal officials say there are more than 200 potential cases of lung disease linked to e-cigarettes reported in 22 states. There are 16 confirmed cases in Wisconsin with 15 other cases under investigation, state health officials said. We continue to learn more about the health effects associated with e-cigarettes, Milwaukee Health Commissioner Jeanette Kowalik said in a statement. As the public health authority for the city, the MHD is committed to protecting the public from the dangers of secondhand exposure. I, I guess never mind. There's not a whole lot there. So then let's check out what the conservatives have to say. The city urged people imme uh, to immediately contact their doctor if they experience any of the following symptoms, anorexia, cough, diarrhea, fatigue, fever, nausea, chest pain, or shortness of breath. But I suppose now we can jump over to the Daily Mail, which they say is right wing, and see what their opinion is, if they have one at all. Now, interestingly... The Daily Mail tends to fluff their stories up, excuse me, with a ton 
of content. So we'll dive down past the basics because we already know this. They say they're trying, uh, they're trying to, officials revealed last week that an Illinois patient had died, died from a serious lung disease that was contracted after vaping. I think this was the thing that I was reading about and it was an autoimmune disease. They're trying to learn which specific vaping products were used in that case, as well as others, and whether they were being used as intended or mixed with other substances. So far, federal and state investigators have not linked the illnesses to any specific product, but they have said some patients reported vaping with cannabis liquids. Electronic cigarettes have been described as, less danger- as, as a less dangerous alternative to regular cigarettes, but health officials have been worried about children using them. Most of the concern has focused on nicotine. With, uh, which health officials say is harmful to developing brains and might make children more likely to take up cigarettes, also if they just keep vaping nonstop. However, some vaping products have been found to contain other potentially harmful substances, including flavoring chemicals and oils used for vaping marijuana. A number of the people who got sick had vaped products containing THC, the, high, uh, the high-inducing ingredient in marijuana. CDC officials said they do not yet have a breakdown of how many of the sick people vape THC. Florida college student Chance Amarada, 18, revealed earlier this month that he suffered a collapsed lung due to the chemicals in his mint jewel pods. And then we can see a bunch of products. But uh, I guess they're not really getting into the, the bulk of the argument, I suppose. There's uh, some stuff. But um, they basically just keep re- repeating the same thing, strangely enough. So let's skip all of this and let's just talk about legalization of drugs. You know what, man? I don't know if it's a left position or a right position. I have no idea. I know it's a libertarian position that we should legalize all drugs, all of them. I tend to be in favor of that. So um, let me know if you disagree, but here's what I think. It's true. I, I definitely side with the left perspective from all sides that by having these things be illegal, people will get them anyway if they choose to, and then you'll have a black market behind it. One of the, one of the biggest things that's fueling the, you know, the cartels in Mexico is that we have a black market. But when you legalize these drugs, you put them in highly controlled facilities, you can regulate and tax, and you can educate and refine. So you'll end up with these really trashy drugs that are really, really bad for people, and you can refine it into something special. But not only that, if they say, let's say they legalized heroin, which is shocking, right? I know that libertarians have argued whether or not you should be able to, like anyone should be able to buy it, uh, even kids. But think about this. What if, what if the, the legalization involved facilities where they provided you with heroin in a controlled circumstance, and they wouldn't let you use a certain dose, no matter what your symptoms were, and could initiate a, a, a detox process if they saw that people were, you know, heavily addicted. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I don't. But I definitely think the war on drugs is a failed, failed operation. Just locking people up in prison because they got addicted to a drug makes literally no sense, especially now as we're facing this opioid crisis. There are people who got hooked on drugs because they were, they were unemployed, they got hurt, or they got hurt, lost their job, got the drugs, became addicted, and now get it from the streets. So we need a solution to this. And you know, like Dave Chappelle made a bunch of points about like the crack epidemic. And this is the big problem I have with private prisons and the prison system as it is. I do not believe drug use should be a, 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 uh, an offense that could get you imprisoned. To me, that makes no sense. Now, I think, you know, selling it to kids and like, you know, a bunch of other things related to that. Sure, sure. But if someone's choosing to use something, be it vaping, marijuana, heroin, whatever, what they need is help. They need someone to help guide them in a direction that's going to make them productive and feel fulfilled without using a substance to do it. You lock them up in jail, you're not doing anything for them. You're taking somebody whose only real problem was substance abuse, nonviolent offenses, and putting them in a place where they, they can't live. And fi- like, I, I just think, you know, across the board, I think prison is just bad. Because I think you take people like, you know, the argument is, 
As similarly with censorship, you take people who smoke pot and you put them in prison with bank robbers. So why would you do that? That's a culture you don't want to develop. What we need to do is figure out how we can make sure people are healthy. If we, if we, if we keep everything illegal, if we prohibit it, then you'll have a lot of criminals and you'll have a black market and you'll have people doing dirty, gross drugs and spreading disease. And I think that's a bad idea. So look, far be it for me to be the expert, but uh, I, I will I will add one final thing. Admittedly, like this past these past few segments have been very difficult with everything that's been going on throughout the day. So for that, I apologize. But you know what? It is what it is. Thanks for hanging out. Stick around. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Podcast at 6.30 p.m. And I will uh, see you next time, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>